My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. If you can imagine a cartoon character where they hit it over the head with a bat, it gives those dizzy stars and like spins. It's kind of the same way for the subconscious mind. The more that we program something that is the anecdote to maybe I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, or I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, or I can't digest this, or whatever the story is, it begins to neutralize where that old story actually becomes like we forget the old story because the body senses that anxiety and that stress. So trusting your gut is all about living in the knowing state and that it's already been fulfilled and thanking God for the health that you're going to have or that you have. Fitness, nutrition, biohacking, longevity, life optimization, spirituality, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Are you ready to hack your life? Let's do this. All right, folks, you may have heard the recent podcast episode I recorded with this cat who designed a drink. His name is Zach Abbott. He designed a drink that you throw back. It's a little shot, and it digests the toxic byproducts of alcohol for you meaning that you feel great the next day after you've been drinking. And while I only endorse holiday responsible drinking and responsible drinking in general, it is nice to know you can maybe sneak in an extra cocktail or a glass of wine just because that holiday party is so freaking long and there's nothing to do but drink. So you throw back a shot of this stuff and it, it basically digests acetaldehyde for you, which is the, the chemical unwanted byproduct of alcohol. And so what they've done is they've bioengineered this probiotic to do that for you. And it works amazingly. You feel great the next day. It's very, very simple. You get a box of this stuff. You throw back a shot of it before you drink. Or if you forget, sometimes people are forgetful. And you remember halfway through the party, you just throw it back then. And here's the deal. They've got steep discounts going on. You go to Zbiotics, called Zbiotics, 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 if you're in Europe. Zbiotics.com slash Ben zbiotics.com slash Ben. You get 15% off your first order when you use code Ben at checkout. 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason because you had eight glasses of wine and you woke up the next morning and you weren't feeling that great, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. But please don't have eight glasses of wine. So you go to zbiotics.com slash Ben. Use code Ben at checkout for 15% off. You got to try this stuff. Everybody I've told about zbiotics, they have literally come back and said, dude, I, I had no clue. I was skeptical at first. I was skeptical myself, but it actually works. Very interesting. So zbiotics.com slash Ben. So you've probably heard of nootropics, which are mind-directing compounds that enhance your cognition. You may also have heard of adaptogens, which help with focus and mood and sleep and recovery by acting as kind of like a volume up, volume down dial on your body. But have you ever thought what would happen if you mix nootropics and adaptogens? Well, this company, MTE, which stands for more than energy, appropriately enough, did just that. They blended 13 carefully selected nootropics and adaptogens into this powder. I've been putting a little bit of my morning glass of water and experimenting with this stuff. And I like it because I think the nootropics could tend to pick you up too much. The adaptogens kind of balance that out. So you get this amazing combination and uh, it's, it's pretty low in caffeine. It's got a little touch of caffeine in there, but they use a theocrine, which comes from green tea leaf, structurally similar to caffeine, similar energy benefits without any of the common side effects of caffeine. Very well formulated compound. I've been very impressed. MTE, more than energy. So anyways, you get a 20% off your first order. If you go to getmte.com forward slash Ben G, that's getmte.com forward slash Ben G. And there you can use uh, the code Ben G for 20% off your first order. Hey folks, my guest on, on today's podcast is a former TV news journalist, and she has really studied up hardcore on the gut. I'll let you tell your story to everyone, Lauren, but I know it involves some pretty significant illnesses. You wound up writing this book. I'm going to hold this book up for those of you watching the video version. Uh, the show notes are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash LAX. Not the airport. Uh, it's actually my, my guest last name, Dr. Lauren Lax. And Lauren wrote the 28-day gut kickstart back in the day. But then she came out with this new book, The Total Gut Reset. And I get so many gut books sent to me. I think maybe, I don't know, people know that I myself have a little bit of a princess gut or that I'm interested in the gut or whatever. And I don't do a podcast on 90% of them. But this one was really good. 
and got into some stuff that I think would be really helpful for my audience, Lauren. So I would love to take a deep dive into some of this. But before we do, I want to hear what got you interested in uh, in the gut. So my love for the gut and really the gut-brain connection begins back at fourth grade recess. And I was 10 years old, a pink scrunchie and my frizzy hair that my mom made me wear. And all I wanted to do was fit in. And the popular girls invited me to join their gossip circle that day where they're like laughing at Melanie Strawn's ugly sweater and gawking over Eric Arthur's cute freckly face and floppy ears. And then all of a sudden the topic of weight comes up. And the queen bee says, oh my gosh, you guys, I weighed myself last night and I'm 69 pounds. So fat. And then turning to each of us and she said, what do you weigh? And one by one, we had to go around the gossip circle and report to our drill sergeant. And at a healthy 80 pounds, 10 years old, I was by no means a fat kid. But when the circle got to me, I gulped and I lied and just said, I don't know, looking down at my feet. And I'll never forget going home that day and standing in the pantry and turning over my favorite Dorito snack pack and learning a whole new language, which is fat grams and calories. And then at age 10, really, my life path took a sharp turn. And little did I realize that that day would set the tone for the next 20 plus years, 25 years of my life, where I would spend on a roller coaster of diets, dogmas, Dr. Google searches, doctor offices all in the quest of feeling good in my own skin, inside and out. And I had struggled with gut issues from the time I was young. I mean, kid of the processed food generation, um, antibiotics, C-section baby, like all the cards were stacked against an unhealthy gut early. But it really was this pivotal moment of both diet culture and health culture, um, really trying to figure out, again, how to feel good in my own skin. And spent an accumulated four years of my life behind bars in hospitals and treatment centers during that time where the typical treatment for eating disorders, anorexia that I had developed was Pop-Tarts, pizza, and Prozac. And so just like our symptom-based treatment for, say, someone that's overweight, move more, and eat less, or someone that has a lifestyle-induced disease, just a pill for an ill, my symptoms were treated with what made the most sense for food freedom and weight gain and processed foods. And it really began to create this healthy skeptic in me of like, is this the way? Is this the way to be healthy? And really began to question conventional wisdom that I was being told by all um, like my doctors and nutritionists that I would see, dietitians in these treatment centers. And so I was getting fed one narrative in that uh, sense. And then on the outside, again, diet culture was, I was child of the nineties. So grew up in low fat being bad. And then we go into Atkins and South beach. And I really was a trendsetter for every single diet under the sun. And all the while, still struggling with a wow. ton of like over gut issues. Quick, quick question before yeah. you get into how it came to a head. Do you think that um, eating disorders damage the gut? Because it seems kind of counterintuitive to me and maybe some other people because you think, well, anorexia, you're just not eating very much. Like, wouldn't that be easy on the gut? Yeah, you know, obviously, maybe it's hard on the joints and the hormones, etc. But does that make sense? Just playing devil's yeah. advocate. It seems to me like sometimes eating less could help the gut. And even, I even know some people with gut issues who get really skinny and almost look like they have anorexia just because they're afraid to eat anything at all, but it seems to help their gut. And so do you think there's a mechanism of action where anorexia or some other eating disorder could actually harm the gut? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think just in research alone, we see 98% of those that have had um, eating disorders will develop a functional gut disorder. And so, and I think it's super unaddressed, both going through treatment and eating disorder life. And you're right, like that, which is once productive can become counterproductive. So I think it begins on like, first where the gut begins um, when you are beginning. So like, say I feel a little bit better when I'm adopting, say, a diet of not eating (laughs) fasting, but um, it really depends on the variables as well. Like if you're living on artificial sweeteners as I was like crystal light and all these diet foods that are super processed, like that's not going to make your gut feel good. And then just like all the dysbiosis, we call it, we would call it insufficiency dysbiosis that's created with anorexia. So you like are basically starving out like both the healthy and the non-healthy gut bugs. So you really just don't have that force life force in there. And one in four women that have gone through anorexia, or I just say women, but men are experiencing this as well 
will develop an autoimmune disorder as well. So we just know how related that is to leaky gut and dysbiosis on the back end. And, and then those that maybe are struggling with overeating, binge eating, I mean, likewise, there's dysbiosis being created, dysbiosis being just gut imbalance because of just the certain things that you're feeding the microbes versus and certain things you're not and how you're forcing digestion to happen. There's a lot of stress created. I would think, and that too being the number one driver would be stress, the perceived stress, the inflammation that's going through that gut brain axis. So great question. And yes, I gut issues are very common in those that have struggled with disordered eating. And I think, again, that threshold of if one goes on, say, a long-term fasting or just eating less diet, they feel better because perhaps they were starting at a threshold of like a very dysbiotic gut to start. And so they are starving out some gut bugs that um, aren't serving them. And But I do see this in diet culture too. You don't have to have an eating disorder to fall into the pigeonhole or the rabbit hole of a disrupted gut microbiome. And I think any diet it can be productive. So we say carnivore, keto, vegan, vegetarian, whatever people are adopting, the reason why they see that productivity is because it's modifying the gut. And then the reason why 95% of diets fail, say, you know, after the 30 days or three months or hit that plateau, it's not just because they failed the diet or their willpower is down or the diet's not working. It's because of what's happened in the gut microbiome. And in my patient population, I see a lot of patients that don't have overeating disorders, but they have a fear of food that has developed because of like they've pigeonholed themselves so much into a certain diet where they're eating maybe five to 10 foods because it's all their body can handle. They've developed histamine issues or they continue to linger in that state because uh, even think like a carnivore diet, which I think can be very beneficial and therapeutic. But I've had a lot of patients that have fallen into what like that's all they can eat now because if they do introduce something back in, it was kind of like a band aid. It was cover up because they like took out certain foods that were making them unwell. But if they didn't mind to heal the gut as well, didn't just rely on the food and like uh, grow some healthy gut bacteria that could digest other foods, they may run into a wall. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting because I was telling you before we started recording, I'm supposed to interview Stephen Gundry tomorrow. And his whole book is about, he calls them gut critters. But the, but the idea of the microbiome and its importance in the gut brain axis and the gut metabolism axis. And sure, if you overeat and spill over a bunch of, say, like inflammatory lipopolysaccharides from the gut into the bloodstream or develop leaky gut or pockets of inflammation, you know, diverticulitis or the like, then that kind of makes sense because you're just eating too much or you're eating too much of the wrong thing. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that even if you're not eating enough, you're throwing off your microbiome not feeding your gut bacteria, not populating your gut, and creating a host of other issues. You know, and it, what I'm talking about is particularly relevant to not eating enough, or excess dieting, or anorexia nervosa, or not eating enough wide enough variety of foods. I think it's pretty intuitive for most people that something like bulimia would cause issues just because you've got so much acid imbalances, and that results in poor digestive enzyme production and damage to the esophagus, etc. But I was just thinking about that as you were talking that, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting because you'd think, well, just don't eat and everything will heal up, but you just don't eat. And as you just noted, you throw the bacterial balance off in a pretty remarkable fashion. So yeah. I interrupted you though, when you were talking about everything kind of coming to a head at one point. Yeah. So everything in that journey really came to a head the morning that I stepped on the scale at 5 a.m. only to see a number I had not seen since I was that 10 year old girl. Only this time I was 23 and I was a full-fledged adult and I was living in Nashville at the time, about to enter my second year of grad school the next day. I was studying occupational therapy. By this time, long story, I'd gotten out of the news just because I wanted to get out of Little Rock, Arkansas, where I was living, working in the news by under my parents' roof because I was so unwell that they had really wanted me to be close. So I said, you know, I'll go to grad school and I could live on loans. And so I was there um, and woke up and there was no, at this time, it's again, being scared. There was no doctor standing over me telling me I was unhealthy anymore. Like, or my parents even there who had really fought for my life many times in and out of all these hospitals and treatment centers. And so I remember getting into my car and driving to the gym. I had like four or five gym memberships. I was working out eight hours a day at this time in my life and just praying out loud, God, 
help me make a change today. And my spiritual journey had been a very big part of my eating disorder. I felt like it was really a spiritual warfare. And to me, God helped me make a change, meant help me eat a tablespoon of almond butter more or help me work out 30 minutes less on my Stairmaster today, this willpower. And when I got to the gym that morning, I got out of my car collecting like my magazines, my fitness stuff to go into the gym and turned around and I heard not one, but nine other strangers walk up. And these were, they said, good morning, Lauren, and whipped around nine other gym goers who stepped in and spoke up and said they wanted to help. And not knowing anything about my backstory and my life, just seeing this girl for the past couple of years, every day slaving right on the Stairmaster. And they stepped in and spoke up and just said, you know, we don't know what we would do if we ever saw you collapse on this, like, you know, in front of us. And just out of the kindness and like the love of their hearts, they had all come together the night before and just planned this kind of intervention. They were all friends about my parents' age because that's who works out about 5 a.m. in the morning. And they they drove me to <laughs> Vanderbilt Hospital and uh, where nothing imminent had happened, like no bullet wound, no car wreck. And the doctors were like, why is she here? But they just knew in their hearts, like I was not well. And my parents were by this time on their way down from Little Rock to come. And within 48 hours, I found myself in the CCU with a heart rate in the near 20s and doctors saying I may not make it. And I know without a doubt, had they not stepped in that day, I would not be here having this conversation with you at all. And in that moment, flat on my back in a hospital bed as they're screaming, we may need to call code blue and talking about maybe putting a pacemaker into my heart. There was something, a peace that came over me. And it was just if God was saying like, Lauren... If this is not your time, like you're going to make it, but buckle up. This is going to be a ride. And I spent the next four weeks on like feeding tubes and heart rate monitors and IV fluids in the hospital. And by the end of that four weeks, the doctors gave me one of two choices. They said, you can stay here for another eight weeks and continue to be like refed and bed rest, or you can go back to treatment. You have no other option. And so I chose to go back to treatment and said, you know, I'll go for the minimum six weeks and I'd done the treatment game many times. Again, Pop-Tarts Pizza Prozac model. I knew what I was in for and ended up staying about a year in Miami. And on that six-week mark I, that I was supposed to leave, actually, I started to have all these chest pains I had not had since that day of that um, imminent moment. And it was, again, as if God was saying, like, Lauren, I'm not done wow. with you yet. And I wanted to wring out that eating disorder out of my system and out of my psyche. And there was a lot of, like, hard lessons learned that I wrote in a blog at that time, like, just facing like double bagel day or egg McMuffin Fridays or Eggo waffle Tuesday, Thursdays, like my nemesis is. And just, um, it was not really about the food by that time. It really was like it ringing out of my heart and my head. Treatment was no different. It was something in me had really changed though. And decided, you know, when I get out of here, life is going to be different on the other side. And so I got out of treatment about a year later and I was like learning to walk again and crawl, like starting to do that in life. And began to find my footing and actually was so thankful to stumble into an amazing church community, CrossFit community. And then that was a gateway into functional medicine and paleo for me was like that CrossFit community down there in Miami. And so I began to get really curious and interested in helping others heal. And so, yeah, I kind of began my functional medicine journey. I had no idea what I was going to do with my doctorate in occupational therapy, but it really is the job of helping live, people live life to the fullest is the ethos of that profession. And so learned how to marry that with functional medicine training and nutrition. And over the next decade, set out on this like journey of learning, not only in the classroom or in, you know, online learning kind of situations, but also actually my body became my best teacher because I ended up developing these 13 incurable conditions over the next decade that had been a byproduct. You I asked a question earlier about how the gut is disturbed during something like anorexia and lo and behold, it really was. And so, and little did I know that all of these issues were related greatly to that disrupted gut brain axis, but it really was this residual of these five autoimmune diseases, Lyme, mold, mast cell activation syndrome, hypothyroidism, cancer workups, stroke workups, brain tumor workups. Like it was just like nuts. And the doctors couldn't explain it. Uh, Mayo Clinic turned me away. Cleveland Clinic turned me away. It was just like one of those complex cases that I see a lot now in clinical practice as well. And really there was not much hope for me other than symptom-based treatment, according to both conventional and honestly, 
a lot of the functional docs were head scratch, scratching their head. And that journey came to ahead a decade later, like literally to, almost to the date 30, I was 33. My Jesus year is what I call it. Like that's the year of that. Uh, it's just a really a pivotal year in a lot of people's lives. <laughs> but, um, I found complete healing and it was really through this mechanism called the gut brain axis and rewiring the gut brain axis that I was in a training learning how to use, they didn't even call it gut brain axis. It was just like limbic system type of work and NLP type of work that I was training just as like from a coaching perspective, but it ended up helping my body do this complete 360. You know, you oftentimes hear the body keeps the score or issues are in a tissues and mine certainly were. And I didn't realize that. And this, it was a much deeper work than I'd ever done in the 20 plus years of therapy I had been in just like cognitively touching the five to 10% of the brain that is in the cognitive state. Whereas 90% of our thoughts are subconscious, which interestingly enough, 90% of those thoughts come from the gut microbiome as well. And so it really just developed this, I developed this understanding of how the gut and the brain are connected. And through healing my brain, I was then able I was already eating a healthy diet. I was already doing the supplements. I was doing everything physically. And it all began to work when that gut and that brain got aligned. And there was this stress release um, that had been there for so long in, in my body. And so this is a lot of the work now that I do with clients is just marrying the two. It's like the physical and the mental emotional because it's like just like a physiological state can produce a psychological like reaction. So like something in the 3D world can make us feel anxious, for example, a news headline or something like that. A, a mental, emotional yeah. state can also produce a physical state. And even more greatly, um, if you can think about the water studies where we can change water with just loving thoughts versus angry thoughts where they look under a microscope and they see that. And we're 70% water ourselves as a body. So I'm very passionate about helping individuals take their health back into their own hands and Really, my mechanism that I use is just a gut brain reset. And when I say the word gut, to me, that is like, if you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding, they use Windex on everything. <laughs> so to me, gut is not just mm -hmm. digestion, constipation, and bloating. It really does touch multiple parts and facets of health. So it's a very broad term for what I mean, like the root cause of health. Interesting story. You know, I've, I've never actually had to pray to God that I could eat more almond butter. If anything, I've had to pray that God would somehow keep me from eating the entire jar. But I, I get where you were. And it, it makes me think a little bit about the fact that, you know, back to your story when you were a kid in elementary school and coming back and looking at the Doritos. I mean, people are encouraged to look at food labels now, Lauren. I mean, you know, for example, I just interviewed the food babe and the entire podcast was about look at this on the food label, look at that on the food label. How do you kind of marry the idea of intelligent approaches to knowing what it is that you're eating and not freaking out about it or stressing out about it in such a manner that disrupts that gut brain axis, producing stress, leaky gut and anxiety around food. Does that make sense? Like how do you oh, approach 100%. the whole food label thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we do live in not like it's not heaven on earth necessarily here. So there is a lot of chemical and toxin like toxins in our food. I think America's food system compared to say like Europe, it just does not reflect a real food diet um, here. And so we are, I think that is something I'm cognitively aware and I still educate my clients on. And that said, I also believe in something like the hygiene hypothesis with food that, you know, the little dirt never hurt mentality. And we know hygiene hypothesis in immunology, is, it goes, the cleaner you are, the sicker you become. So the more you sanitize your hands or the more you live like a bubble boy, the more when you're exposed to the elements outside, you're going to become sicker. And I think with the food and gut, it can be the same way. And so kind of we were talking about uh, or reflection. Some of my sickest patients are those that are eating only five to 10 foods because they are avoiding everything or they've become so fearful of how food makes them feel. And yet I just said they're the sickest patient still because they're in this like bubble, this container and their gut is not as resilient. And they're like eating dirt, I guess is something that we would say. Um, but yeah, the kind of like, I think there is a balance and it, and a fine line in a way, but I was just at Whole Foods earlier today and like, I, I forgot to bring some liposomal vitamin C. I love it. Um, when I'm traveling. And so just Oops. like picked up one. 
and flipped over a label. And I mean, there's all this like food coloring in it and like citric acid and just some fillers. And it's just like, we, I think do need to read labels from that perspective of toxicity. And I think toxins are the X factor and chemicals are the X factor that, I mean, ideally we're eating a real food diet still that mimics like ancestral times and back to the 80, 20, the little dirt never hurt is being able to go with the flow. And like, if you are in Rome, eat the pasta on your birthday, have a treat and just move on on at Thanksgiving. Enjoy your, whatever your mom made you, um, like the traditional things. I've had some patients, like I said, with the five to 10 foods, one of them that comes to mind, she had mass activation syndrome, had mold illness, was eating like practically, I think chicken and chicken for every meal and maybe a little bit of, um, I don't even know what vegetable she was eating. Not much of anything, but all that to say, she went home during a Thanksgiving and just being around family and feeling loved and not on her own in the journey. She actually ate foods that she hadn't eaten in years. And it was like, she felt fine. And I remember her just messaging me the next day and saying, Dr. Lauren, I don't know how this happened, but it, that goes back to how that gut and brain work. And one of my favorite studies is where they take have you, the milkshake study. Um, Crum is the doctor's last name. I think it's Alice or Allison Crum. Okay. And they take two groups and they give them a milkshake and they want to see what happens to them metabolically. One milkshake is a 600 calorie milkshake and one milkshake is a 140 calorie like diet shake. So the healthier shake. In actuality, oh, both groups gross. got the exact same milkshake, like a 300 calorie milkshake. So they had no idea though. And they drink the milkshake. And what they found is a completely different metabolic response. So those that drank the like the 600 calorie milkshake that were like, hey, this is like one and done. This is for the study. I'm going to just enjoy this, savor this. They actually had a healthy metabolic response. Whereas those that drank the, the diet shake went into kind of that starvation mode. They were hungrier. Their, uh, their ghrelin scores, which is the hunger hormone, went up three more times than the other group. And this was all based on perception, <laughs> not on on the actual calorie shake or the milkshake. So really our perception plays a huge role in our in our diet. And you can even think about like a food desert versus like yuppie culture in downtown Austin where I live. And all like, you know, everything's gluten-free, animal-based, and like, I don't know, you can get all the free things at whatever restaurant you go. They don't look like you have a third eye. But if you go to like a food desert, I mean, they're eating the Dorito diet. But they're not like thinking about even like anything related to their health a lot of times. And they're just like living on this every day. They're not thinking about like how the food's affecting them because their totem pole of what they're stressed about is completely different. And maybe more in that survival mode state or like on what's happening with baby daddy or like, you know, it's just a different threshold of where our directed focus goes. And so I think the more sometimes we're hyper-focused on food, the more we can either stay intolerant to foods or we react to foods. And when I was reintroducing foods back from so much restriction, one of the, the things that helped me the most is like speaking positive into my, my mind and, and the food I was actually digesting. So my body is strong. I'm resilient and knows how to digest this food. And I've reintroduced every single food that I was reacting to, you know, all the histamines and like the autoimmune paleo diet kind of foods. Um, that I wanted to reintroduce with that principle. I wake up every morning and I make myself a giant mason glass jar full of adrenal support. That's right. Whole food vitamin C from acerola fruit extract and sodium from Redmond's Real Salt that has over 60 trace minerals to support my adrenal glands, which based on my lifestyle do tend to get pooped out if I don't pay attention to giving them the fuel that they need. This stuff is third-party label claim verified, a 100% money-back guarantee, and it is brought to you by one of my favorite companies out there for this kind of support, Jigsaw Health. Jigsaw Health Adrenal Cocktail is what it's called with whole food vitamin C. Visit JigsawAC.com and use Greenfield 10 to get 10% off your order. JigsawAC.com and use Greenfield 10 to get 10% off your order. Well, folks, it's no secret. Our metabolism seems to be under an attack. Oh, man. Not again. A staggering 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. It's sugar. It's caffeine. Sedentary lifestyle. We need clean fuel. And we need clean fuel that lets us do things like satiate our appetite without eating hyperpalatable foods chock full of fats and carbohydrates in excess. Enter ketones from Ketone IQ. 
This is the latest innovation from the metabolic health leaders at Health via Modern Nutrition or HVMN. I had both the guys who run this company fly up to my house and talk deep about ketones on a podcast. They're smart. They're motivated. They put a ton of positive energy into what they develop and hence scientifically proven products are a result. To support mental clarity, athletic performance, and metabolic health, 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone. That's what ketones do for you, meaning you can do more with less. Ketone IQ was created through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships with some of the top researchers in ketone science. This drink is truly cutting edge, so you can avoid the insulin spikes, the caffeine jitters, and the mid-afternoon energy crashes, and you can start fueling with Ketone IQ and feel the difference for yourself. At HVMN, they also stand by their products 100%. So if you're not satisfied, your order is free. That's how much they believe in the power of these magical little ketones. And they taste good. They work. I use them on airplanes. I use them when I travel. I use them before I go play tennis because they seem to enhance my ability to be able to think and perform at the same time. So uh, if you go and subscribe at HVMN, you'll get a subscription wellness kit with uh, their three 12-ounce bottles of Ketone IQ, two shot glasses, and a golden ticket to give to your friends. They've also got 24 Ketone IQ shots, one water bottle, and one golden ticket to gift to your friends. A couple of different packages for you there, and you save 30% off that subscription order at Ketone IQ. Go to hvmn.com slash beng. That's hvmn.com slash beng. You can subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. And if you live in California, lucky you, you can find HVMN in California Earth Bar locations, as well as Sprouts grocery store locations. Yeah, the brain certainly is pretty powerful. You know, it's kind of related to you feeling great because you feel as though you got a fantastic night of sleep and then checking your wearable and finding out your sleep score isn't that great. And all of a sudden you feel tired or back to the calorie thing related to the milkshake study. Sometimes I'll just be awake at night and I'll think I'm full and I'll think, gosh, you know, why do I feel hungry, restless, etc.? I'll sometimes check my blood glucose and it'll be low. And then I'll lay there. And this isn't like every night, but I'll think, well, gosh, I had, you know, that packet of oatmeal and that was 350 calories and that shake was maybe 600 calories. And then, you know, lunch seemed really filling and it was like maybe 300 calories, whatever. And once I add it all up, I realized, oh, I ate like a thousand fewer calories than my body needs tonight. That's why I'm hungry. But sometimes, if you think you're eating a whole bunch of calories, you feel full when you're really not. And then the, the hunger can kick in later on. So I've experienced that in a, in a few different ways. And as far as the food labels go, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're endorsing eating crap. I think you're endorsing not being so stressed out and myopically orthorexic about your diet that you're actually not doing your gut any favors. For me, 100%. I think that if you're if you're exercising, if you're physically active, you can certainly get away, I think, with a little bit more from a dietary standpoint. But I'm honestly more concerned about big ag, about monocropping of agriculture, about poor soil practices, about abusive animals with non-regenerative farming, and just supporting that entire scenario. I'm much more concerned about that than, hey, this grain-fed steak is going to just screw me for weeks on end and destroy my gut and make me fat or whatever people think. So I think it's kind of an art and a science. It's about being a responsible consumer who knows and is educated about the physiological and environmental impact of what you're eating. And then also checking yourself and not stressing out about it too much, because yeah. as you've outlined, that can have a pretty significant impact on the gut. But I'm, I'm curious, because you talked about limbic training and mm-hmm. NLP What's that even look like? Like, can you give me an example or if somebody's listening in an example of if they are stressed out or if they do have an eating disorder, what a practice or or what a sample routine or whatever from that style of training actually looks like? Yeah, totally. I think first starts with awareness. It's all about getting awareness of the subconscious mind, which is like, again, 90% of our thoughts being subconscious. So just thoughts that we're not aware of. And interestingly, like, you know, they say statistically 80% of people's thoughts are repeat or negative thoughts they've had before. So it's like opening up this onion layer of thoughts. And I think around like health would be a great example to workshop here. And like, if people have whatever your symptomology is, say you have like bloating all the time, or maybe someone has PCOS, or maybe someone has an acute UTI right now, whatever it is. It's first gaining awareness around what, like, what is the mindset connection to this symptom? 
And so symptoms I a lot of times have found are metaphors for the body or for the brain, like a stressor perceived stress. We talked a little bit about toxins. I think they can be the X factor. So say you go to Mexico, you drink the water, get a parasite or a gut uh, infection, like that's overtly toxicity happening. However, like something internally or at a mental mindset level can prime tissues for disease or symptomology to show up for certain different people in different ways. So um, I'll give you a really just simple example. Say little Johnny, he's eight years old. He eats a peanut butter and jelly every single day for lunch and he has for years and he loves it. And then one day out of the blue, little Johnny begins to develop these skin rashes, a little bit of hives, and as well as gut symptoms around his PB&J. And so he goes to the doctor. The doctor says, must be a gluten and peanut intolerance. So like cut those out, see how he does. Mm. Little Johnny's doing better. Um, well, when I little Johnny comes to me, I, we do a little bit of work and I ask him or really his mom, what was happening in little Johnny's life prior to the onset of these symptomologies and come to find out little Johnny was eating a PB and J at the same time. He witnessed his parents have an all out fight in the kitchen that led eventually to his dad walking out that day and eventually their separation oh. and divorce. And the way that the gut brain access works mm-hmm. is it locks that in or the limbic system, which traps and stores memories. And so now when little Johnny is, sees this trigger subconsciously, he's not thinking about the fight, the divorce, the stress, the indigestible conflict that he felt in that moment, not able to figuratively digest or swallow the body and the limbic system are correlating this trigger or this uh, sandwich with that trigger and that stressor. Um, and this is all happening at a very subtle level. Yeah. And by the way, this, this is similar to like, this is, would be similar to, for example, me having a little bit of a disagreeable association with the way that pizza impacts my gut. But maybe it's because most of the pizza that I ate for like five years was combined with massive amounts of tequila, vodka, gin, and being hungover and eating it cold from the refrigerator. And so now when exactly. I see pizza, I just associate it with feeling like crap. Yeah, exactly. Or people may have experienced this even with like just food poisoning in general. If they remember like it was that Chinese restaurant, like they never want to go again because that would be like now a conscious stressor that they're aware of. But like, and this is just, that's being a gut, gut and food related, but this really goes deeper to like all sorts of symptoms. And so like, for example, my mom, she had developed a, a UTI the other day. Um, I was talking to her on the phone and uh, she was like, gosh, I haven't had one in several, like, like years. I don't know. Well, knowing just what I know about like mapping the body and how, what symptoms are connected to certain stressors, a UTI is connected to a territorial conflict, like territory is down there. Um, and I was like, well, mom, like, has there been any, like, I said, territorial conflict, like you feel like someone's infringing on your territory. This can be sexual. This can also just be like in our environment. doesn't have to be. Um, and she was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, well, what is it? And Lo and behold, my wow. sister had just moved back home from Alabama with her husband. They're kind of like homeless looking for a home. They have three kids all under the roof. <laughs> and my parents are like in their golden years of like retirement life right now. And it's just been a lot of like energy and influx and like being on. <laughs> and so she had like escaped to go to their, they have a lake house. And when I was talking to her and like a lot of times the way symptoms arise is out when you're out of the acute stressor is where they onset because you're now in like the phase two of disease onset. like. Stress is happening sympathetic, so we're not feeling the symptoms when we're running from a bear. We're not feeling the sprained ankle. We're not feeling the, like, scab on our knee that we just got. We're just trying to get away. But when you're away is when you feel the sprained ankle or the scab. Same thing with symptomology. And so it had onset. And a lot of times with awareness around health-related challenges of, like, what are some of the root cause stressors that were happening, not just, like, physical stressors, um, it can be really healing and alone, uh, alone because it's, like, if you're standing in the ocean – and a wave keeps hitting you from behind, like you keep falling forward and then you turn to face the wave, what happens? You're able to stand stronger and not be knocked down as much. And so like, it's like the brain takes back its power with this awareness. So it's not sending that same inflammatory signal to those tissues where the inflammation is. So for a lot of people, I write about this in in my book and kind of map out certain symptoms and like what they could be connected to from a stressor perspective. And it's super unique for every individual. I think COVID is a great example as well. Like, you know, so many people had different symptoms with COVID and some people have had gut, some people had no symptoms, some people had all sinus, some people have lungs. And a lot of that from this gut brain connection perspective would be how they were perceiving the stressor. So like when people are like, say, watching the news and hearing about COVID, 
oh my gosh, this is so indigestible. Like I cannot swallow this information. This is a lot. Could you open the gut? Whereas if there's like this death fright conflict, like I could like lose my life. And we see this a lot with like the baby boomers and like older generations, like it would show up as lung or heart. And like, again, all like in a matter of a split second perception of how that can result in certain symptomologies. Yeah, that's super interesting. And, you know, it makes me think about this joke I sometimes tell when I'm out and about at a restaurant and the food comes out and I tell everybody, wait, 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 let's pray. And then I pray over the food and bless it to our bodies and everything like a good little Sunday school boy does. And then I'll, you know, open my eyes and say, amen and say, okay, now the food won't poison you. Or now you can eat as much vegetable oil as you want. It's not going to hurt you. But on a more serious note, when you look at this idea of limbic training and the gut brain axis, would an example of managing that be something like prayer or three deep releasing breaths or gratitude before a meal? Because I've oh, read yeah. and heard that that actually has a significant biological impact on incretin hormones and satiety, digestion, absence of leaky gut, et cetera. I'm so happy you're mentioning that. And that is a principle, one of many like techniques um, that is very powerful for, again, kind of like taking back the reins over like whatever the stress is, like whether it's present in your frontal lobe or if it's like a stressor in your body, like the symptomology. Um, And like, I mean, I think that biblically as well, like what a principle, like God just kind of created this principle of thanksgiving and gratitude and like even in the Lord's prayer. And like, I think for a great reason and like, I mentioned a little bit earlier the study of like the water and like how water responds to like the energy that we send it. So is that about based on that energy that you send it? Or if you think about like, say, a Viktor Frankl, who the man search for meaning and like with purpose and vision mm-hmm. and like just like thinking more positive thoughts, it's really like what he credits his like survival yeah. from like Nazi Germany or the concentration camps. Choose your contentedness, no matter the GMO nature of the corn that you're consuming, and it's less likely to cause you damage. A hundred, I, I do believe so. And like, I do believe like, I mean, I think just having been in that place of like being in a place of no, no cure for what I was struggling with and being at sub 90 pounds, not in an anorexia state, but in a catabolic state as a, like an adult and just feeling like, man, is there going to be a way out? the way that like gave me that jet fuel was through the mind. And I've just seen it so much with the most chronic of patients. And it's why like, I think foundationally, I mean, I build it up together because the physical is going to inform the the mental, like as well, um, our physiology will inform psychology. And so I think the healthier, like the choices we can choose, but that said, like, I still believe that the mind can greatly trump where the body's at in our 3d reality. And so I think it is a little bit, it can be a dance. If you are going to choose to eat a diet of Doritos, like for the rest of your life, like, I mean, that's just like your prerogative. And that said, we all know a 90 year old uncle Joe who eats spam sandwiches, orange soda, smokes cigars every day, sits in his lazy boy, but like lived to be 99 years old. And like, that was my grandma. Uh, And so like, I think there is something merit like of just like the perception of stress and how that really does play a role so i have a three-step process that i teach my clients and it's like tune into your gut take care of your gut and trust your gut so i talked about the tuning in and that's just like understanding where you're at today and then getting a bit of vision for like well what do you want because if your blinders are down like say in a health perspective because this can apply to any area of your life by the way like the mind and how that can trump your 3d reality whether it's money or whether it's with relationships or like you go on, but in the health context. So say I got vision in that hospital bed, like, okay, I want to be well, Lauren's going to be recovered. I'm definitely not recovered in this 3d state right now, but getting vision and like basically just tuning into like, where are these symptoms coming from? Next number two is take care of your gut. And so there's a physical like inside and out. So the outside would be like, I teach my five gut love habits and like the foundations of like building back a healthier microbiome from a physical standpoint. And then on the tuning in, or taking care of your gut rather, like it's really speaking gut love (laughs) over your body into yourself. And so getting a a vision of that higher version of you. And this is where the I am statements become like, I am strong. I'm resilient. The mold can't hurt me. I'm strong. I'm resilient. The mold can't hurt me. I help my clients to find like three mantras to start. Like that would just be like core statements and these can change, uh, but where you could like rampage with these. And because if you can imagine a 
cartoon character where they hit it over the head with a bat. It gives those dizzy stars and like spins. It's kind of the same way for the subconscious mind. The more that we program something that is the anecdote to maybe I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, or I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, or I can't digest this or whatever the story is, like the more we can like reprogram a new story, it begins to neutralize where that old story actually becomes like we forget the old story. So that taking care is really about speaking gut love or like speaking that into your life and then the last is just like trusting your gut. Like, so living in the knowing state and ways we, that we do that is like through thanks and gratitude, you know, give thanks in advance for like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's a principle Rick Warren talks about all the time on his podcast is like, thank God in advance for what he's already done in your life. But it's just like giving gratitude for like being where you are and seeing yourself as if you are already there and living out of that as if state is a trusting state. And it's also the law of yeah. detachment. It's like the more we're, focused and like clinging to a goal, the the more resistance happens. You know this, like you've probably seen this, Ben, you've worked in the fitness industry forever with those that like really want to lose weight, for example. And so they focus so hard on the scale, on the size of their jeans or whatever. And a lot of times there's this resistance that's created, but like when they jump into like, oh, what would healthy me do? And like being the healthiest version of themselves and just acting as if they are already that 20 pounds down or 10 pounds down, there's like this like resistance that lessens. We also see this in like love and relationships, like love finds you when you least expect it. Or like with money, it's like already acting as if you have the millionaire mindset versus living in scarcity and checking your bank account, like, or working like, or being so fearful of debt because the body senses that anxiety and that stress. So trusting your gut is all about living in the knowing state and that it's already been fulfilled and thanking God for what it like the health that you're going to have or that you have. I don't think it's any secret that I'm not a huge fan of big, clunky New Year's resolutions. Why? Because they usually rely on willpower. And willpower is a tool of your conscious mind. That controls just like 2 to 4% of your daily actions. Your habits, whether good or bad, in fitness or nutrition or productivity and beyond, they're all deeply ingrained. And that creates an internal thermostat that keeps you stuck in your current situation. Well, the good news is you're not alone. I've worked with thousands of clients who were all trying the right things but felt stuck and realized their willpower was not what helped them get out of their scenario. Instead, they needed direction, guidance, accountability, a plan, a program, and a big why, and I provide all of that with my revolutionary coaching programs. I have retooled the coaching programs. We have amazing options for you in our brand new elite programs from bengreenfieldlife.com. So you can join now and redefine your reality with a limited time offer of 40% off of your first month of coaching. Here's how. Go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash elite for a personalized coach set up perfectly for you to achieve any goal you want safely, quickly, and effectively. bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash E-L-I-T-E. And I'll see you on the inside. Yeah, I love that. And and it seems like this question I want to ask you is on the extremities of the paradoxical because it involves hyper analyzing a component of your diet in a manner that might actually stress a lot of people out. But you have this poop chart in the book oh, yes. <laughs> on page 64. I think I wrote to you and asked if we could put it in the show notes too so people could oh, yeah, see what the golden poo chart is like. So show, show notes are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash lax. But I was over at my buddy's house last week and he showed me this black box. He's like, dude, this is the most powerful one day cleanse ever. So I actually, because I like the guinea pig, this stuff, I ordered it and it comes with this guide on how to interpret the color and the length and the activity of your mucoid plaque, right? These things people mistake for parasites that wind up in the toilet bowl. And while I'm not going to put you on the spot to interpret mucoid plaque, It did get me thinking as I was reviewing it just this morning over breakfast, over my green smoothie, looking at pictures of mucoid plaque, I thought (laughs) I should ask Lauren if she looks at her poop and if so, what she or somebody listening in could learn from that. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely. It's your daily report card. And it's just like people are tracking their blood sugar uh, nowadays or their aura ring score or whatever the monitors they're using it is something that ideally and hopefully we're doing daily. Now, I, I have a lot of conversations. I'm like, how's your poo? Or tell me your habits. It's normal. 
define normal, please, because everyone's level of normal is a bit different. But the ideal normal poo would be daily, if not twice a day, um, as well as a well-formed, complete, SRC-shaped, easy to pass and one or two passes kind of poo. That would signify a golden poo. And if it's anything other than that, then we just get a little bit like questionable. It's like to there's multiple factors that can contribute to different types of poo, and mostly being our eating habits and stress levels. Um, but that said, I do use this golden poo chart to kind of help people like really assess where they're at and get a, a better understanding of poo. <laughs> yeah, ribbons, pebbles, rocks. You know, I get the big dump. I mean, like I fill the toilet bowl every morning, not to gross people out. Yeah. But then you write in there. Big dump could indicate chronic constipation, which I get sometimes, by the way, low stomach acid enzymes, dysbiosis from stress, irregular eating habits, low vagal nerve tone. And then the last one was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. Mega colon. What's mega colon? Mega colon would be like a toxic colon or for some people, toxic colon. Some people it's just like a very enlarged colon. So they just like are holding a lot of poo at once compared to those that are not like just a smaller container, kind of like a person that has a larger stomach versus those that don't. And so like if it's like your motility is a little bit slower sluggish, then that could be a piece of the puzzle from a mega colon. Um, And that's, I mean, I was diagnosed with that as a kid. Like they looked at an x-ray. It's like you have a very large colon, Lauren. Oh. And so I was having a lot of constipation at that time. Thank you. And just managing that is just like, um, I mean, diet was way different than it is now. um, But there's also certain supplements and digestive supports that helped me like with kind of in the stage of coming out of a constipated state. Sometimes when people are like, say, they've been on a train of like, not eating for a certain time of day and then eating more later in the day. Like, I mean, there's just more bulk in the stool that could be creating like a big dump scenario. Or if again, they are taking maybe a supplement such as like a digestive, like a gallbladder support that's going to like release more bile at once um, or like help with stimulating Uh. that release right there. And so um, I like my rule of thumb. Number one is like better off than in. And so like any type of poo being better than no poo, because at least we're clearing. And then that I think is probably more indicative. I don't know if you do intermittent fasting right now or like what your fasting, what your eating time frames are. A little bit. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm so, by the way, I'm so lean. I don't worry about it that much, but I, I generally have like 12 to 16 hours I go overnight until breakfast that I don't eat. Yeah. And part of that is just because I don't like to do sauna and cold pool and workouts and stuff after I've had a smoothie or eggs or breakfast. So I just wait until I'm done with all my things and then I have breakfast. And by the time that rolls around, it's been you know 12 to 16 hours. Yeah. Well, then I, I mean, I, pro- I teeter between that and just like straight up golden poo. That's what I would call it. But and one thing, another thing I have found that's kind of a trigger and a positive, like it's helping my body at least with the motility in bulk is I tend to eat more like starch at night if I do do starch. I don't really do much starch during the day from a blood sugar perspective, but I am like obsessed lately with like kombucha squash in particular. And I find when I have like something that is that oh like gosh. soluble fiber and bulky, like it is gel-like in nature. So it is it is showing up as bulk in the stool in that way. Yeah. With some yeah. almond butter and honey and sea salt and the squash. Oh, it counts as dessert, too. It's amazing. Nature's candy. You can pray yeah. to God for more almond butter if you have a few extra squashes around. <laughs> so the, the constipation thing is interesting because you talk about a form of constipation in the book that I'm guessing a lot of people have dealt with as they take advice to cut down on stimulants and energy compounds and coffee. You talk about coffee withdrawal constipation. I've never seen that in a book before. What's coffee withdrawal constipation? (laughs) Well, since coffee is a natural digestive bitter, so it's like a bitter is going to poke the gallbladder. And the gallbladder, why that's important, that's the most underrated organ, I think, in the body. But it's what's not only stimulating enzyme production and the breakdown of fats is what people most correlate it to. And also just like the release of bile, like bile is being released when that gallbladder is stimulated. So if you can imagine um, a organ or like closing your fist, Ideally, when a digestive bitter like coffee or a fat touches that fist, like you get a nice pump, like get that pump, that muscle up and going, squeezes Mm. out the bile to then stimulate a bowel movement, 
Well, if people are stripping the coffee out and they're not doing like maybe they're even drinking two to three cups, like the average would be, or maybe it is just that morning cup. It's just that extra little nudge, nudge that helps with that release. And so that constipation can happen in that way. Coffee also, as we know, is a stimulant. Like some, so there is some like caffeine release or like adrenaline release that is helping with some motility for some people as well. But the agent I find most or the mechanism I find most prevalent for people is that gallbladder. And so when we support the gallbladder, say with some digestive bitters um, or like even bile salts with meals for a time, not always and forever, even like apple cider vinegar, um, which can also have some of that uh, gallbladder stimulating effect there, cholagog effect, then we can help with regulating some poo. Uh, we also know that coffee is a natural dehydrator. So like it's also kind of zapping up like the hydration being like one of the number one uh, supports for healthy motility. And a lot of folks are just underhydrated in our modern day. Yeah. My hack for that is I just drink more coffee because I figure the excess liquid helps to overtake the dehydration <laughs> yeah. effect. That, that's my logic. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. Your your section on constipation was crazy. I mean, just to give you guys a little bit of a preview of Lauren's book. I mean, the part on constipation alone is use magnesium or buffered vitamin C, chew your food until fully liquefied and slow down, sea moss, one to two spoonfuls daily. I've used that before. It's a really good source of fiber. Uh, is that, I forget. Is that the soluble fiber that the sea moss is? Yeah. Yeah. It's gel-like. Okay. Gel-like. Yeah. Gel-like. Exactly. Probiotics like lactobacilli plantarum, squatty potty. I love that. Except when I travel, I yeah. don't have it. Sit up straight <laughs> during the day. Take a pro-kinetic in the morning and evening. Eat food with breakfast instead of like a liquid. Sip smooth move tea. That sounds fantastic. Uh, what else? Uh, water and minerals, of course. Avoid drinking out of plastic water bottles because it causes gut inflammation. No laying down or intense exercise directly after eating. Avoid raw veggies and raw salads. And by the way, Lauren, that was transformative for me when I quit like filling the blender bowl and the uh, my plate with giant piles of kale and spinach and the like. Uh, avoid high FODMAP foods. Digestive bitters, like you noted, coffee enemas. I actually still do those once a week. Chlorella tablets. That jumping up and down in place or rebounding, tabletop position stretch, squeeze your colon acupuncture point, right, oh, right hand, the inner web of the right hand, abdominal massage, and hypnosis for digestion and meditation. That is a pretty comprehensive list. Um, when, when it comes to all of these different things that somebody can do to get stuff moving along, it makes me think, well, there's got to be some things that cause that in the first place that pop up over and over again. What would you say are the, the primary leading causes of constipation besides not just drinking enough water? Yeah. I mean, I think overtly stress. So like, I mean, and stress is such a broad term, but if you can imagine just like clenching your fist, like even a little kid that's like just so frustrated, they got to go poo. Like, it's just like when you're clenching your gut or like you are shorting, shortening your breath, a great, uh, Telltale sign for people to do is, or like a check-in would just be pause for a minute and count the number of breaths you take in a minute. And just to get some feedback for yourself. Mm. And ideally, like we're at rest or like you're moving a little bit here. So your breath rate would be a little bit different at a minute. But if you're just chilling out, do this exercise. And ideally, you want to have a four to seven breaths per minute rate if you're in that rest and digest parasympathetic sympathetic mode that the vagus nerve loves for motility. So the average I found is 12 to 20 breaths per minute for most people. If you think okay. like, again, rest and digest meditative state in a way, like it's like pausing to pray and breathe before a meal. Like the reason why I think prayer, prayer is also helpful for digestion is just because it's like that natural art of pause that was created for humans prior to, to eating food and just jumping in and plowing in for that rest and digest. But 12 to 20 breaths is what I would say I find the average breath rate. If we're on the higher end of that, like say if you're in the 15, 20, I've had a, a woman that was, she was at 47 breaths a minute. She had no idea she was hyperventilating and she could not figure out for the life of her why she had this chronic SIBO, methane-based, um, and she couldn't lose the last like 10 pounds. 
And that exercise alone was so impactful for her to, you know, the body doesn't know the difference in running from a bear versus I just pulled up my Instagram feed and I'm comparing myself to like my business, like, you know, rabbits that I'm chasing or to the girl that I like want her body, like the way that the heart is changing and the breath rate is changing. And so that is like, I think just to show kind of how stress just residual, we don't think we're under stress. Exercise is a stressor, like you said, to the body. It's a healthy, can be a hermetic stressor. Um, but kind yeah. of that yin and that yang, um, other, other causes of constipation. I think just going back to that gallbladder, it is so inundated. It kind of is the the net that catches all these like toxins and like gets congested over time. And so, especially with females that I work with that have had bed, like birth control pills as a huge stressor to the gallbladder, but then we just like plastics by and large wow. for humans as well. Um, long-term use of like drugs, okay. like SSRIs. Or um, Tylenols, Advils, NSAIDs, um, obviously toxins in the food, seed oils, et cetera. Like if your gallbladder is just inundated, your cup gets full over time, that's going to cause some digestive backup from a gut perspective. And it's also, I think, one of the leading causes of things like that are downstream. So say like a SIBO or just chronic bloating and then the constipation. Yeah, that's super helpful. Probably one of the most underrated tactics that you have on there is the abdominal massage. I even have a miniature massage gun. It's made by power plate. It's one of the really small ones that TSA doesn't freak out about. And I travel <laughs> with it. And I'll sometimes if I get traveler constipation, I'll lie on my back on the bathroom floor and just follow the path of the colon, right? Ascending, transverse, descending over, and then kind of over the, the ileocecal sphincter and just do about like two or three minutes of that. Transformative for yeah. traveler's constipation. I mean, it worked at home too, obviously. But abdominal massage with like a percussive gun set on a really light frequency, that's a game changer. Oh, I love that. I've never even thought about taking like a Theragun or something on the external. I, and that's a great, I just use my like, you know, the quadrants with my my uh, hand. So that's even better. That's game changing, oh, Ben. Such a Luddite. I'm going to use that. Such a Luddite, Lauren. Well, we've only scratched the surface of your book. There mm. was one other thing I wanted to ask you though. And that's this yeah. whole checking to see if you have sufficient enzyme production. Can you give me an overview of the, I think you call it the apple cider vinegar challenge and the enzyme challenge? Because I think that'll be really helpful for people as a little homework after this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're experiencing bloating after meals regularly, that's overtly going to be low enzymes, whether it's uh, digest or pancreatic enzymes or like, again, how the gallbladder is working. So and enzymes for the gallbladder, I say it in quotes, would be more like bile salts that will help with uh, in the apple cider vinegar. And then apple cider vinegar also touches, which is before enzymes, stomach acid. And that being like, we, we have those three main components of digestive health that will help with moving food through the digestive system creating a healthy microbiome ecosystem, as well as like preventing things like the bloating and constipation. And that would be stomach acid, digestive enzymes, and then the gallbladder, just making sure that's healthy and moving and grooving. The way apple cider vinegar, that challenge works, it, you can use it um, for really assessing stomach acid levels. And so an HCL is another thing that we'll use is hydrochloric acid. Uh, so if you're not into like the taste of apple cider vinegar, for example, but it's really the thought of you take the apple cider vinegar, like a swig of it, a shot, ideally not straight. <laughs> you want to dilute it some, say in four ounces. Okay. You could even do up to eight ounces of water. But for like a, a challenge, I would do about four ounces of water, put the stem, or the HCL in there or the <laughs> apple cider vinegar in there, take a swig. If you feel burning sensation like pretty quickly, like overtly, you, that is going to indicate some lower stomach acid for you and you are more sensitive just because, and we do this with HCL as well. If you don't feel the burning, um, right initially though, like that's just like is a severity scale. So like sometimes with more Mm -hmm. HCL, so say I take one tablet of HCL and it's got 250 milligrams of HCL in it. I don't feel anything, but then I take up to three, like I have to get up to there that would be even a lower scale of stomach acid. So I think by and large, what I have found in the westernized world is back to like how stress has kind of like stamped out some of that stomach acid and enzymes. If you can imagine uh, stomping on an anthill and like you just stomp, 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 those ants, you crush it. Well, that's how stress works from a stomach acid and digestive enzyme perspective. And so 
with the challenge with whether it's the ACB or the HCL, it's like you want to reach the point where there's a little bit of a burning, but not like super burning. Because <laughs> if you get to the point where you feel like really a warming yeah. sensation, then you back down just a little hint of whether it's the, how much H or ACV you put in there or the magnitude, how many capsules of HCL you took. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Drink apple cider vinegar a shot or so. If yes. it doesn't, if it doesn't burn, then you might need digestive enzyme support. Same trick works with exactly. uh, baking soda. Take a half to a quarter teaspoon. If you're not burping within five minutes, you probably have low stomach acid production. So exactly. Cool hack. Lauren Lacks, the total gut reset. BenGreenfieldLife.com slash L-A-X. BenGreenfieldLife.com slash L-A-X. Grab Lauren's book. Check out her website. I'll link to it all in the show notes and try to snag that poop chart from Lauren too to put in there as well. Lauren, email that to me and I'll I'll get it in the show oh, yeah. notes if you're if you want to. For so sure. people can do a little, little poop analysis and think fondly of you as they stare pensively yeah. into the toilet bowl. So <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing. Thank you. This has been fun, Ben. All right, folks. I'm Ben Greenfield with Dr. Lauren Lack signing out from BenGreenfieldLife.com. Have an amazing week. Want free access to comprehensive show notes, my weekly roundup, cutting edge research and articles, my top recommendations for everything that you need to hack your life, and much more? Visit bengreenfieldlife.com. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links, of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items. But the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.